0: Thanks for joining us, the following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Acts chapter 24 today on the daily word and we're going to go ahead and just jump right in and read all of the verses for this chapter and see how far we can get. Amen. Acts 24 verse 1, it says this, After five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders with an attorney named Tertullus, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. After Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have... "...through you attain much peace," talking about the Jewish people, or talking about the Jewish people and the province, also Romans, "...and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation, we acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. But that I may not weary you any further, I beg you to grant us by your kindness a brief hearing. For we have found this man a real pest and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the world." And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And he even tried to desecrate the temple, and then we arrested him. We wanted to judge him according to our own law, uh, but Lysias, the commander, came along and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. Verse 9 The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were true. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, and he said, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Since you can take note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship, neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. Nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way, which is um, how Christianity was coined, or the phrase that was used, the way, according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. Having a hope in God, which these uh, men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before God and before men. Now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me, or else let these men themselves tell you the misdeed they found when I stood before the council. Other than for this one statement, which I shouted out while standing among them for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. But Felix having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom, and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. But some days later Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self control, and judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with them. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. So just to remind you about Acts 23, that's where Pastor Jared left off last Friday. We know that uh, Paul was, as he says here, he was obtained. Uh, he was, he was um, arrested essentially. And, uh, and this was by the Sanhedrin. So he's going to give an account to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 23. He knows there are some Sadducees there. So he sort of creates a controversy by talking about the resurrection because he knows the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And so they're divided, and the Pharisees believe in the resurrection, Sadducees don't. He knows this is going to happen because ultimately he's a follower of Jesus. He knows uh, Judaism well. He understands the Old Testament explicitly Paul was a scholar, to be sure, and so he kind of divides them because he's being falsely accused. So he stands in front of the Sanhedrin, the Roman centurion pulls him out because there's a stir, there's a controversy, there's an uproar that is happening. This is what they're referring to as a riot, which was actually created by the Jews and not by Paul. Paul was not the instigator of this, the Jewish people were, or the Jews that were listening to this and all that Paul was saying. So Paul does discuss with them. They don't like what he's saying. There is a controversy. The Romans pull him out, and they seek to understand what is happening. Lysias was the commander of that region, and so after listening to Paul, he doesn't really know what to do, so he sends them to who we're calling Felix Felix was the overseer of Judea at the time for about eight years six to eight years he had uh, he had authority over that whole region and so that's why Paul is being sent to Felix and so um, that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 24 is that Paul's going to give an account to Felix uh, Lysias or uh, Lysias is hoping. Uh, that Felix will decide the case because he doesn't want to. We read that Felix doesn't want to either because it's a dispute among Jewish law. And that's really what we read about before we jump into Acts 24, is there was a letter sent to Felix. In that letter, Lysias is laying out the fact that this is a dispute among Jewish law. That was his assessment. He was wondering if Felix was going to come to a different determination. And he really doesn't, and he, in his passivity and hope, hopefully he was looking for a bribe he just basically allows paul to stay in prison for 2 years <clears throat> but there's several things that are happening here we're just going to go back through it and i'm going to make some comments usually in these chapters these later chapters of the book of acts you don't hear these preached on much because they're really all connected it's kind of like a long drawn out story of a couple months Remember, the book of Acts is 30 years, and so what we have is sort of this uh, this clump of chapters at the end here that represent only just a hand, handful of months sometimes, um, or days even. And so, whereas the rest of the book, it will cover years. And so, they are really uh, together, there's sort of a story that's unfolding and that's why a lot of people don't use these chapters to like preach a lot from them. It's more of a narrative, it's describing what happened, and you can kind of summarize them all in a sense. But we want to go through them and see what we can learn, because there are many things that we can learn from the Word of God and from every chapter in the Word of God, even though the story is very well connected. But here we have verse 1 in, in chapter 24, after five days the high priest Ananias came down. So Paul is at Caesarea and he's waiting there to stand trial, and they're waiting for his accusers to come before Felix and before Paul to state the case. And so the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and an attorney named T- Tertullus, who is a Roman man, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. After Paul had, summoned, uh, was, had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, since we have through you attained much peace. He basically flatters him, uh, not awesome because these people know what is happening. But he does that for a few verses. And verse 5, he says, "...for we have found this man a real pest and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the whole world, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, and even tried to desecrate the temple, and then we arrested him. But but Lysias, the commander, came along with much violence, took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you." So there's a couple things that this attorney is actually saying. Number one, he's accusing him of sedition. Now, that's really important because the main issue here, the ruling that's going to come from Felix, is whether or not he is guilty of sedition. Sedition would basically be that he's the instigator of a riot of some kind. Now, that would have been very serious to the Romans and a violation of Roman law. Sometimes that would be serious punishment, imprisonment, and occasionally they will kill people for this. So this history tells us, that if a person violates Roman law with sedition, depending upon how far they go, they do get murdered. They become an example to the community. This is what we do with people who try to create a riot and specifically overthrow Rome is where those types of things go. And so they deal with that swiftly. They deal with that seriously. This attorney is accusing Paul of that, but we know that this is not accurate, nor is it fair. It's unjust. It's unjust. It's unjust. Uh, it's an injustice, it's unjust to Paul, because Paul wasn't the one that stirred the riot. They stirred the riot because of what Paul had been saying, which they were instigating him to speak with them publicly so that they could accuse him according to Jewish law. So you have Jewish law, and you have Roman law. So the first thing he's being accused of is according to Roman law, because they know that if they can get him, if he's guilty for this before Felix, then he's going to be imprisoned or he's going to be executed. That's what they wanted. That's what they're going after. But they're going to fortify that and build sort of a pillar system by saying all of this came about because even among his own people, he is violating our own law which uh, doesn't make sense, and, and it is unreasonable, right? So he's going he's gonna to say that he's a leader of a cult. He's not a, a Jew, as you understand. He's not a practicer of Judaism, as you understand. He's talking to Felix here. And the reason that he's saying that is because the Romans looked at the Christians, or the people of the way, as Jews. It was a Jewish re- part of the Jewish religion to them. That's why there are many different attempts in the book of Acts, and also throughout church history for the Jews to separate themselves from Christians. They wanted to do that in the eyes of the Romans, and it started with Jesus, and it continues throughout the history of the Christian church developing over those 30 years after Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead. Very important for us to understand, the Romans did not see the Christians as Gentiles or as sort of their own religion, Uh, uh, Jews, those that were Orthodox, practiced Judaism. They had all kinds of favor with the Romans because there were a lot of Jews, and so they wanted to keep the peace. And so although they did tax them, although they did oppress them, they also allowed certain favor so that they could keep the general peace. And that was, in a sense, to their favor and to their advantage. And so they saw Christians, or the way, as a sect of Judaism. And so now we have this attorney is trying to separate who's who. These are not Jewish, this is not Judaism, this is not a sect uh, that we affirm. And so if they can successfully separate Christians from Orthodox Jews, then that would also be a violation to the Romans, or it would at least put them in a place where they would be judged quite differently. Or Paul here Uh, being a leader of the way. And so that's an important thing for us to know. There's Roman law, and then there's Jewish law. And so he says, Lysias was the one who took him out of our hands. We would have dealt with that. This is a nuisance to you. We understand that. But just so you know, Felix, we wouldn't be here if the Romans didn't take Paul. So in a way, they're kind of saying, we're not trying to bother you, but we're only here because you guys took this into your own hands. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, so there's a lot of people saying, yes, this is true. When the governor had nodded for Paul to speak, Paul begins by just respecting him, and then in verse 11 he says, you can take note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Paul is now going to speak about how what he's being accused of simply could not happen. There is no way that he could have been accused of a riot. He said, 12 days ago is when I went up to Jerusalem. Five of those days he was imprisoned in Caesarea. So this would be seven days, and he only had so much time for him to even be there. So he explains what he was doing with those seven days. He says, neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself, did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. I wasn't even having a discussion with anyone, nor can they prove to you the charges which with they they now accuse me, but this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything in accordance with the law, and that is written in the prophets. So what what is Paul doing? Number one, he's making a case saying, uh, they can't accuse me of this, there is no proof, namely the Jews that came down from Asia, which were the ones that stirred the riot to begin with, they're not there. So they're not in front of Felix. They cannot give a proper accusation. There is no account. This is a secondary account from those that are from the council there in Jerusalem. Some of the Pharisees were there with the attorney. And so Paul's saying the accusers aren't here. They can't prove it. Uh, But as it pertains to Jewish law, Paul then goes into explaining that I actually, I'm a Jew, I believe in the Old Testament, based on the Old Testament, I believe in Jesus the Messiah, he doesn't quite say that here, he will say that, but he's saying I believe in Jesus the Messiah, so not only do I believe in Old Testament law, but I believe in the fulfillment of Old Testament law, and so he's making a case to show him, I've not broken any laws, it is their opinion, it is their perspective that I've broken laws. I believe in all the prophets, having a hope in God which these men cherish themselves, that there certainly will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. The Pharisees are not going to disagree that there is a resurrection. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. In other words, I'm being honest. I'm saying what I believe. I'm telling you I believe in the Old Testament. uh, I am a Jew. I'm telling you I believe in the resurrection, just like they do. And I have a clean conscience before God, which is why I have no problem sharing this with you in front of everybody. And so I'm not going to say what people want to hear. I'm going to say what I believe is true. I have a clean conscience before God. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation to present offerings, in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia. Now he's explaining what happened. Um, I was there. I was doing what was right, according to the customs, according to the law. And there were some Jews that came down from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation, but they're not, if they should have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council. Other than for this one statement which I shouted out while standing among them for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. The resurrection of the dead, namely that Jesus rose from the dead, and those who believe in him will also rise from the dead because they're given new life. That's what they are opposing, that's what they have issue with. We know that because this is the story of the latter half of the book of Acts. And so Paul's simply making a case, this is a matter of interpretation, this is their issue, it's not my issue, it's not your issue. He's making a great case, by the way, and uh, that's why Felix can't do anything, and that's why Lysias sent him, okay? Lysias sent him because it was a matter of Jewish law and interpretation, there's nothing clear that Paul's done anything wrong, so now Felix is going to have the same conundrum. Felix, having more exact knowledge about the way put them off, when Lysias the commander comes down, he says, I will decide your case. What is he doing? He's saying, I don't want to be in trouble with the Jews, so I'm not going to let him go, but he has no reason to accuse him, and it's very important because he's a commander over Judea. Uh, the governor is, is his role, and so Claudius is the emperor of Rome. He does not want to disappoint Claudius. How would he disappoint him? He would disappoint him because if he creates an uproar or a stir, if he makes the wrong determination, if he makes the wrong decision, it would create a stir. If that happens, if a riot happens, then Claudius is going to remove Felix. And so this is how government works. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But decisions are made not for what's right or righteous or what is just, Decisions are made as to what will cause the, le- the least amount of problems for my leadership. What's going to cause the least amount of problems for, uh, for me as a leader and also for the leaders above me, right? So I want to maintain control. That's the idea here. I'm going to maintain control. So for him to do that, he has to say, I'm not going to do anything. So he's passive, That's what sometimes leaders will do. That's what sometimes government will do. This is history, and it's not just the Bible. He gave orders to the centurion to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom. So he puts him on house arrest. He's not imprisoned. He's on house arrest. And we we read about this from other places as well in the New Testament. His friends can minister to him, but some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jew, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ. He discussed righteousness, self-control, and judgment, and Felix got frightened. He said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. Now listen to this. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite frequently to converse with him. So he won't let him go because it's right, and he knows it's right, but he might let him go if he gives him money, all right? So let's just say the word together. This is injustice. Okay, this is what injustice looks like. It's what it smells like. It's what it feels like. After two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Festus. Wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix uh, left Paul in prison. Now, history tells us that Festus took his place because Felix didn't handle something very well, and so the emperor took him out, um, and he had to go give an account. So he, he was looking for the Jews to give him a, fa- a favorable word to the governor when he goes to stand trial based on what had happened because it really was a, my understanding of history was there was a transaction with the Jews that didn't go well it was brutal and so felix did create a stir and so leaving paul in prison he was hoping that the Jews would actually come to his aid and give him a positive report to the to the emperor and, and here's, here's what I want to say. There's several things that we see here. First, if we want to look at it from the angle of the Apostle Paul, number one, the Apostle Paul is bold. The Apostle Paul has integrity. The Apostle Paul doesn't waver. He doesn't waver. He's in fear of his life for sure, but he trusts in God and God cares for him. God covers him. God takes care of him. And this is what we can know, and maybe we'll never be in a situation like this, but the reality is is that when we're accused, when people see us the wrong way, when the report against us, about us, is definitely not right, it's not fair, and it's not just, we know that if we maintain our integrity if that we continue to have a clean conscience before God, we can truly trust in God that God will care for us, God will cover us, and God will lead us. Paul, the entire time and all throughout this part of the book of Acts, he continually offers himself to the Lord. He is honest, he is straightforward, he is consistent. And that's something that we can glean from today. We wanna be people that are consistent no matter what. And it would have been something that, Paul could have tried to do. He could have tried to get money um, to bribe his way out of this situation. He could have tried, uh, he could have approached this with uh, less of his sharing about who he is and what he believes. He could have just minimized his Christian witness. He never did that. Paul looked at his prison sentence as. Uh, an opportunity to share the gospel. He turns his prison sentence into a missionary journey, and that's what Paul was like. And so we want to glean from the life of Paul, and we want to say, Lord, make us people of integrity. Help us to be consistent no matter what life offers to us or brings to us. This is who we want to be, number one. Number two, and this is potentially just a negative reflection, but it is true, and we want to be aware of it as we navigate the world that we live in, When you read church history, when you read history of nations, one thing is for sure is that governments are corrupt. And so today we're seeing that. We're seeing all kinds of corruption, regardless of whether you're on the right or the left. I don't know how you can read any kind of history and come to a place where you trust government fully. You have to trust God. The difference between us, Christians, and others is that we trust God no matter what other people do. We can't control governments. We can't control governors. We can't control our situation. We have to know how to navigate the situation. That's the key. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people today are frustrated with how the government is or is not acting. I get that. Um, I totally resonate with that. How, However, um, I I live under a higher authority. We have a higher principle. We have a clearer word about how we are to be, how we're to navigate these troubled waters, whether or not we agree with the government or not. And that's the key, is that we have a higher government even than the one that we're under, naturally speaking. And so I can disagree with a lot of how the government is acting and responding and spending money and making decisions and their ideologies, but that doesn't mean that I can yield to everything that they do or do not do. Injustice is sure in the government system and structure. When men and women get into power, they are going to use that power for their own gain. They're gonna use that power for their own control. The enemy is behind those systems and structures to a degree. I'm not saying that um, demons are behind every detail or every person, but we understand that the world system and the world structure being created by unregenerate people or non-Christian people, we can be sure that there's going to be all kinds of ideologies that we don't agree with, that we don't believe. And so it shouldn't surprise us. It will grieve us, but it shouldn't surprise us. But what do we do? We do what Paul did. Paul was consistent. Paul was following Christ. He held to a higher authority. He held to a higher standard. Just because we disagree with what goes on in the world and the decisions of the government does not mean that our life is about responding to this and to that. Our mood goes up and down. We've gotta be very careful that we are living under a higher authority, that we are living to a higher King, who is Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't transact in the world. It doesn't mean that, for example, for us, we don't vote. It doesn't mean we don't value what goes on in the world. It means that we understand who we're submitted to. We understand that we have a higher law, a higher principle. And I think sometimes we can forget that, even in being a patriot, even in being somebody that's thankful, that's grateful. And I think the two can work together, but we have to always ensure that that we are living unto the Lord. Now, injustice will befall us. Injustice is in our world, just as it was in their world. And you see how Felix wouldn't make a decision. You see how he wanted to maintain control. You see how he wanted to maintain the favor of the people. And you say, Ben, I see that going on today. And I would say to you, I know, because it's always been going on and it will always go on. And so when somebody says, I don't trust the government, I'm like, well, yeah, of course, what kind of trust were you to have in the government <laughs> i don't know you know i trust the lord see we have to define what we mean by trust do i trust that the government is going to spend our money wisely our tax dollars no i don't do i trust that the government has our best interest in mind no i don't do i do i believe that everything is demonic no i don't but it's not up to me to to decide nor can i truly discover all of the details i know that Things are unjust. And so when people talk about um, structures that are full of injustice, it's like, well, yeah, but maybe not in every way that a person's trying to speak about their ideology and their agenda because they're trying to use, they're, they're bringing a, a, a different ideology to somehow prove their case to get what they want. Once again, using another system to get favor for themselves. And and so you have different ideologies combating against themselves. But I know and we know that, yes, men, power corrupts people. Of course it does. And so how do we, the question is not, is it corrupt? The question is not, is there corruption from the top down? Sure, sure. But what are we focused on? How do we navigate? How do we walk out this life? And I would challenge you, Listen, I would challenge you, I would tell you that we need to be focused on the Bible. We need to make sure that we're living unto the Lord. And I know that's simple, but in times like these, it's important that we renew our commitment to the Lord and continue to study deeply. What does God say about this? How are we to function within this? We don't put our head in the sand, but we need to know that Jesus is pleased with the way that we're living life. Sometimes when I listen to people, I've met with several people over the last couple years, and they'll say... You know, this is what's going on with the government. And I go, yeah, probably, that's probably true. And, th- and then they say, this is what we need to do. And I go, no, that's not what we need to do. I often don't disagree today with what people are assessing because to me, that's clear from Scripture. It, a- it actually says that there are principalities and powers, rulers in wicked places that are involved in these things. The Bible tells us not to love the world nor the things in the world, right? The world means the world's system, the world's structures, the Bible says that the enemy is even behind those, the prince of the power of the air, the enemy is behind those that are constructing these world systems and the systems themselves. We know that, that's that's biblical, the world system. Jesus said in John 17, you're to be in the world, but you're not to be of the world, because we come as kingdom citizens and we are preaching another kingdom. We, we are preaching King Jesus, he's our ruler, he's our ultimate authority. We have the Bible. The Bible is, in a sense, it's our law. I mean, and it's a higher law. And so he says, be in the world and not of the world. So often when I'm talking to people, I can agree with sometimes their assessment of the injustice of the world, whether it's, again, on the left or the right, sometimes I don't agree, but I can agree. And people get really upset and they get really angry and all this. And then they go, and here's what we need to do. And I go, no, your assessment may be right, but the way that you think we need to navigate this is wrong. In other words, it's your anger or it's your compulsion or it's your fear that is leading you. And sometimes we get wrapped up in a wrong response, not necessarily a wrong assessment. Paul knew what was being done to him was wrong by the Jews and by the Romans. He's being mistreated by his own people, because of Judaism and the way that they're trying to keep order within Judaism because they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So within that dispute, he's being mistreated. There's injustice against him. And then he's being delivered over to the Romans, and the Romans aren't doing right by him. They're not, li- they're not executing justice. So Paul's stuck in the middle. How does he navigate it? He trusts the Lord. He, he entrusts his heart to God. He trusts that if God wants him out of it, he'll be out of it, but he gives his his witness, he gives his testimony, he talks about Jesus, he remains consistent. He is consistent in the chaos. His navigation should cause us to pause. The way he goes about responding to the injustice that's being lodged against him. The injustice is great, it's serious, it's severe, and yet Paul remains consistent. Friends, this is what I want to encourage you with today. We have to remain consistent. Sometimes our assessment of the way we're being treated, whether it's from the top or whether it's uh, somebody, that, just a person or it's a system, a structure or the government, regardless of how, who it is that's treating us a certain way. The question is how do we respond to that? This is where I've had most of my disagreements over the last few years with all that we have dealt with. It's that I find that we want to respond to maintain control ourselves, which is what we feel is happening against us. People want to maintain control so they so they exert that strength and that authority over us, and we resist that, okay? But we're resisting that sort of in like kind. But how does Jesus have us to live? And that's why it's so important for us to pray. That's why it's so important for us to fast, to, to study God's Word. What does God's Word really say? We cannot brush over that. It's very important. If we're Christians that believe that the Bible is from the Lord, and we believe in what's called the authority of Scripture— that we live our life based on the word. And that means our responses, even to injustice. And it will not look like sometimes others think it should, and it will not feel as good as we often want it to feel. But on the other end of that, when we follow Jesus, it is always right and it is always righteous because it's a higher law, it's a higher principle because Jesus is a higher authority. Now, with that, I wanna pray. And really ask God to help us in the days that we're living. Give us wisdom so that we can navigate all that is in front of us today. And and you know what? God will give us that. If you're looking for wisdom today, Lord, how do I respond? How do I live where I'm at? God will give that to you. Let's go ahead and pray together and ask for his wisdom, knowing that he'll give it to you. Father, we thank you today that as we look at the Apostle Paul, we see how he was treated. We know that whether it's governments, um, whether it's religions, no matter who it is, whether it's the political spirit or it's the religious spirit, Lord, you've called us to just submit ourselves to you. And so we ask today for wisdom. God, I pray for wisdom for everybody that's tuning in. Father, would you bless us, strengthen us, give us wisdom. I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, give us self-control so that we can pause and respond to you and not just react to situations, whether they be just or unjust, whether, whether we're sure about that or not. I pray that we would be in the world and not of it. We yield our hearts to you today, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.